Hi, this is Anne Courtney from Mother Feather, and you're listening to Rock at Night. Hi, this is Anita Stewart uh, with Rock at Night, and we are also, just wanted to let everyone know, we are now in print, and our next issue will be out on June 21st, and we are featuring glam rock genre and music, and we are uh, talking with glam rock artists for specific interviews. And we have with us today, Ann Courtney. She is the lead person for the band Mother Feather, which is a glam rock band out of New York City. And you all have been around since 2009, uh, 2010. Yeah, and that's I was, correct. Yeah, I was looking at some really crazy interviews, not, not just interviews, but songs, and um, reviews from different places. And one of the funniest ones was um, this one from the Metro New York. Ah. Lead, singer, lead singer Ann Courtney is a showman in the first degree. Her sweaty, swaggering delivery evokes some sort of awesome demon woman ascending from the gates of hell to deliver <laughs> unto us a sinfully amazing performance. And then there was uh, another one from the Huffington Post that said, the strength this band exudes, and Ann Courtney especially, is like a young Marlon Brando's strength on screen. The sensitivity of the guy is unnerving. You immediately want to fuck him. And at the same time, you never know if he might just rip your damn head off. <laughs> so that was quite funny, too. What did you think about those when they came out? You know, that uh, the Huffington Post piece was written by um, an incredible writer who actually has a memoir out now. Um, his name is Matt, uh, Michael Patrick F. Smith. And he just he just released like just a couple months ago, an incredible memoir called The Good Hand. And he's one of my favorite writers of all time. Um, and he put out a hell of a book. And I guess you also just answered one of my questions just now. Um, that we can swear on the podcast. <laughs> well, I wasn't sure about that, but the word came out. So I hope she doesn't have to bleep it print. out. It was in print, you know, if the <laughs> Huffington Post would publish it, right? Yeah, that was, that was one of our, um, our first really big pieces of press. And it did some really great things for us, that, that little article. And um, the Metro New York piece I love as well. Um, because that writer was clearly at one of our, our exorcisms that we, we performed. <laughs> exorcisms. That's great. So um, going to like the new agey spiritual exorcism type stuff, where did the song <laughs> Egyptology come from? Cause that had some interesting lyrics in it. Yeah. Um, thank you. That's uh, that one, that one started uh while i was washing dishes actually 
um, <laughs> sounds sort of mundane, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a rebirth story. And so much of that was the initial inspiration for Mother Feather um, and yeah, story, a story of rebirth. And that's, that's the telling of it, Egyptology. Yeah, that was really, really cool. I liked how, I liked how the, what is it? The, the lyrical video looked, it had some really cool graphics. Thank you. So that lyric video was made by Isaiah King, um, who is an incredible, you know, video director, graphic artist, animator. And he actually also directed and animated the Mother Feather video, Mother Feather, the song. Um, mm -hmm. And he's been a longtime collaborator of ours. He's wonderful. So he made that video for us when uh, we actually got a few songs from our first album placed on the show Shameless. Are you familiar with the um, that show Shameless? Yeah. It's on. It's a. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm complete. Uh, uh, oh my goodness, I'm totally blanking on the lead actor's name. Uh, William H Macy. Goodness. Whew. Oh yeah, he's a great actor. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's. Um, it's a long series and we actually had three songs placed in the show, Trampoline, uh, Natural Disaster and Egyptology. So wow, those songs got a little bit of extra attention and we wanted to put out some lyric videos to accompany um, two of those songs. We did videos for Trampoline and Egyptology. So that's, yeah, that's the story about that lyric video. I'll go and, and, I'll go and look for that series. Um, so you have been taking kind of a medical sabbatical and recovering <laughs> and, and how are you, what is, and what have you been able to accomplish while you've been doing this so far? Well, I mean, more, you know, it's, it's sort of a lot of things all at once. I guess the whole world is seeing a change in their lives in the past year. Um, right. certainly that's the case for artists as well. And, um, so along with, you know, being scared and stressed out along with the rest of the world. <laughs> um, I, uh, I also happened to break my foot. I broke a couple bones in my foot last fall. Wow. Um, yeah. It, like in the least rock and roll way ever, you know, everyone was like, Oh, I thought it would be the rock and roll that would get you. Um, but it didn't happen while I was jumping off stage in heels or anything cool like that. Um, it was really, truly just, getting off the couch and then instantly falling down. <laughs> so that, that has been, I don't know, maybe a symptom of being off balance in general. Um, but so, yeah, I've spent the past few months healing and, you know, of course I've been very grateful in a, let's see, where was I? I was talking about falling down. <laughs> so and, ba and balanced and yeah, um, sort of being off balance in, in general in life. Um, and, uh, yeah. So then I had some new work to do, which was um, healing, healing. And uh, the lucky thing was that, you know, I haven't had any shows that I've, you know, sort of forced my recovery to be too soon and re-injured myself, you know, which is a real risk, I think. So I have been taking my time healing and, um, you know, using using this time when the band is not able to rehearse or perform live shows um, and going into an introspective place and sort of reconnecting with, you know, my 
who is Mother Feather and what is Mother Feather? And thinking about this as an opportunity to reevaluate and reconnect to source, which I mean, that is what Mother Feather is for me. I mean, Mother Feather is a band, but it's so much more than a band and it's so much more than me. So that's been a gift um, that I've had some of that time, but it's also been challenging. I think, you know, for so many artists, there's just this tremendous amount of pressure to want to use this quote unquote downtime, which I think is, you know, I've been referring to it as downtime, which I think is a very funny joke because I fell down <laughs> and right. hurt myself. Um, so yeah, what am I doing in my downtime? And uh, yeah. Uh, oh, and uh, also Anita, <laughs> I have spoken to so few people in the past year. So like the gear, the gears are really like gears are really churning and I'm like, you know, holding the oil can to my brain. So pardon me if I'm stilted. You're also the first person I'm speaking to today. So I'm, I'm warming up. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the universe sometimes puts us in one place for a reason. And it sounds like there's a lot of assessment going on. You're just looking at what, what it is you need to be doing, reevaluating, And that's, that's all a good thing because we all need that from time to time. The lockdowns have forced a lot of people to do that, that normally wouldn't. And I think the artists, you know, especially the artists community, not just musicians, but artists in general have really um, taken a lot of hit um, as far as being able to get down to making um a livable wage and getting their art exposed to others, I think has been really a big wake up call for a lot of people. You know, there mm -hmm. has to be some alternative ways to do this. I mean, I mean, zoom, what we're using right now is one alternative way where you can still meet people face to face. So um, there's things to compensate, but I still think that face to face connection is so important. Like yes. doing like you all doing shows. I mean, that's the most important thing is that energy exchange between the band and the audience. Um, yeah. And Mother Feather was really built um, on on our live shows. And we, you know, we we built our audience playing live shows for the first few years before we put out any recordings. And I mean, that's so much of the centerpiece of how the band functions. Um, but you know, in this time, it's, it's been a good opportunity for me to go, to go deeper and say, well, what, it, what is Mother Feather if I can't play a show? And what is Mother Feather if I can't be in a room with the band? And right. yeah, so that's, that's been, that's been a good opportunity for sure. Now you've um, got a new song called mm -hmm. Uh, you're, you're a dead man. You're a dead man. Yes. I love it. And um, the you actually took some of the funds that you made from that song and you donated it to a really cool organization that I have never heard of before, but I checked them out online, madre.org, M-A-D-R-E.org. Yep. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. For anybody listening, you can go right to the website and check it out. So tell us a little bit about where that rage and anger came from with that <laughs> song. And 
and yeah. why you decided to uh, to partner up with madre.org well you're a dead man is a it's a revenge fantasy um it's a song mm-hmm. about uh, a, a girl gang who enact revenge upon a bad man <laughs> um and i think you know last last year as we were you know we released a song right before the election and it felt like the right time to put the song out. Um, I think I wanted to harness women's political rage. Um, right. Right. Um, the song is also a true story about a, well, Lizzie and I and some other women uh, teamed up and, and axed, axed a, a bad man out of our lives. And so the song is, quite literally about that as well. It's, it's much more than just a political thought piece or, or anything like that. It's just like the empowering, the empowering place for rage and anger. Um, and so that song is about that. And so we also just wanted to give back to a global women's rights organization um, and that's how we paired up with Madre. And we did that. We, so we leaked the song a couple of weeks early from the digital streaming platforms and released it on Bandcamp and then used it to raise some funds for Madre. And yeah, that was, that was really exciting. And I also was happy to be able to work on promoting that single while I was laid up on the couch with a giant cast on my legs. <laughs> so... <laughs> Now um, it gave me something to do. <laughs> yeah, it's, we'll shift gears a little bit and talk about glam rock, which is your genre. And when I see you live, it's really your music is really like a cross between glam rock and punk and a little bit of rock. It kind of throws it all in there. What yeah. what were your what were your early influences uh, as far as musicians? Well, actually, before I tell you about my influences the thing about it's fun it's funny I, d- I don't actually think of mother feather as a glam rock band I know that a lot of people do um I've spoken many times over the years about how you know genre I I understand that there's a place for genres but it seems to me that the people who uh are most interested in talking about genres are you know music marketers journalists, uh, you know, and Spotify, you know, that they love genres on Spotify, but as an, as an artist, it's also very frustrating because it can sort of pen you in. And while I appreciate that it's a good, it's a really good starting place, jumping off point, you know, you want to tell your friend, Oh, I love, you got to check out this band there like this and like this, but like this with a little bit of this, it's, you know, so that's a place to begin, but I'm always very careful about saying, oh, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're glam rocker for, you know, for years, I, I had labeled the band a pop cock rock band, which is an absolutely ridiculous term. And that's part of the reason that I used it because it's, I think, you know, it sounds a little silly because I wanted 
listeners to think, well, cock rock. Well, what does it mean if there's women making cock rock? You can't you can't do that, you know. But after a while, I found that I had hemmed myself in with that label as well. The, the thing that I wanted to use to kind of blow up, you know, the genre to blow up the fence, you know, around myself, I, I had ended up fencing myself in with that. And frankly, I just got really tired of talking about cocks all the time. It's very, <laughs> it's very centering of the male experience. Right. To, you know, to say, it's like saying, oh, well, you're a, you know, female cock rocker. It's like saying female doctor. It's like this modifier of like, well, we all expect the cock rock is male. Right. And right. Anyway, so I, I have I have stopped referring to the band as pop cock rock. Um, and now when people say, oh, what kind of music do you make? I say it's it's rock, you know, because to me, it just seems like a it's it's just there's there's more room in there. So, right. you know, and, and I do appreciate that Mother Feather is very glammy and we project as this, you know, glamorous, larger than life band on stage. Um, but we. I just, I think it's so much, so much more. And also I guess glam rock to me is very era specific. It's so seventies and um, mother feather to mm -hmm. me sounds incredibly nineties at times, you know, or incredibly contemporary. And I just don't want to, I just don't want to set any traps for myself of being like, well, we're this, but we're on a, this kind of, you know, we we're, we're, we were assigned to a metal label, but we made rock music. You know, it just can. Right. You don't want to be put into a box. I don't I mean... want to be put into a box. I want to make the box explode. And I want to I want to be free. I mean, that's the whole thing about Mother Feather always is that it's it is a brazen embrace of freedom. And so I say to hell with the genres. Right. That's <laughs> cool. That's very cool. Now. Sharice and I have been looking at some of that fashion and some of those threads. What do you do to garb yourself before you go on stage? Do you do your thrifting? Do you make your own costumes? Do your own makeup? Is that all created all of by the, you? Well, all of the above. It's like, it's a full-time job outfit, outfitting Mother Feather. Um, also because, because of financial constraints, time, time constraints, uh, pure technical constraints of the fact that like, I'm not, I'm not a great seamstress. I can, I can drape, you know, <laughs> I can pin, right. I can rings, rig something together, but so I'm constantly, constantly hunting everywhere, N not just, you know, thrift and vintage, but new we've worked with some really incredible designers over the years. That's been amazing. When that gets to happen, that's spectacular, but it doesn't. Yeah. Always get to I mean, New York is, New York City is great for thrifting anyway. I mean, anything that you want, you can pretty much find if you have like a concept in your head. So that's one of the cool things about being in that city. Actually, um, where are you? Where are you, Anita? Are you in? I'm in Tampa. I'm in the heart. I live in the heart of Tampa. Oh, and are you, are you downtown? I'm in Seminole Heights, okay. which is pretty much the trendy kind of neighborhood. Um, young, upwardly mobile, you know, young couples with kids. It's a lot of, it's, it's very nice. I, I really, 
I've lived in different places in Tampa, but this is probably one of the best neighborhoods I've been in so far. And we my, have that thrifting thing going on here. Yeah. My, my folks live people. down there, actually. Oh, they really? Live, yeah. They live in a town called Lithia. It's not in Tampa. Oh, yeah. That's proper, not far. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's really, really close. Actually, it's more like a, a bedroom community to the whole metro yeah. area. So, so, um, so let me ask you this, your early influence as far as music. I mean, when we talk about glam rock, for instance, if I'm just going to bring that up again. Mm-hmm. One of the first bands that I saw that was that genre mm-hmm. um, was Mark Bolin and T-Rex. Yeah. <laughs> and oh my God, I was so in love with Mark Bolin. Yeah. So he was kind of an early influence and, and Billy Preston opened up that concert. So I think I was 15 or something. Oh, amazing. And it was, you know, Mark Bolin was also, you know, he kind of, he had that swagger, but he also had, you know, you didn't, you didn't know whether he was gay or straight. And he kind of played on that, you know, yeah. the fact that he was effeminate. Yeah. Um, but man, what a band when they were together. And I don't think Americans as a general rule, the masses here really liked him. Hmm. They kind of panned that tour and didn't really like it. And Billy Preston was more of the highlight. But um but I don't think it ever glam rock ever came out here as a huge thing unless the big artists were coming through like Rod Stewart. I saw Rod Stewart about the same time. And of course that was all glammy and mm-hmm. from their hair, from the spike hairdos and the spike mm-hmm. shags to the satin pants to um, just how they strutted on the stage. It was like a whole, and of course, you know, they changed with the times, you know, yeah. 10 years later, they were doing disco. Yep. So, <laughs> so, so it was very um, much a, a small window where, where it was really popular. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your influences and how that well, got put together before the band, you know? Sure. Well, it's interesting you bring up Mark Bullen. I mean, Mark Bullen is a huge influence for me and I, only I was introduced to Mark Bolin fairly late. I was um, already in college by the time I heard Mark Bolin, and a roommate, you know, was playing some T Rex, and I was like, "What is this? And how? how <laughs> why did I not know about this?" Um, so the thing about Mark Bolin, especially for me, that is so appealing is his joy as a performer. He just. Right taps into pure, pure joy and exuberance. And that's something that really lights me up apart from, you know, the incredible songs and the incredible guitar playing and his incredible voice. I love to watch him perform, um, you know, in, in old footage uh, because I just, he just looks so happy. (laughs) He looks so happy. So that, yeah, that's, that's really the, I would say the number one thing is Mark Bolin's joy, you know, and it's so, it's so cheeky. And I just, I love that. I love that. But my musical influences are, I think quite, quite eclectic. Um, My, I grew up, my father played the theater pipe organ 
Um, oh, wow. He actually did that at the Tampa theater actually for a long time. Um, he is retired from that now, but. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. And he's really into old movie music from the twenties and thirties and, you know, pop, pop songs from the twenties and thirties. So right. there was always a lot of that, you know, in, he was always playing those songs in the house and listening to lots and lots of old records, you know? So I, I got, you know, I got a lot of, I guess you could say sort of vaudeville so- sounds and, um, also, the Muppet Show was a huge influence for me growing up. Um, I grew up overseas, also in South Asia. My parents worked for the State Department, and I moved around every three, four years. So, um, you know, the, the context of the countries that I was in, and that always influenced the sounds that I was receiving. You know, I went through puberty in Pakistan, and this was, you know, right when Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan was like at the you know, the height of right. his West Western popularity. And I graduated high school in the Philippines and, you know, there uh, in the Philippines, they would import all this Western pop music there. They would kind of like do a test run on right. Filipino audiences. So like, I remember we heard of all the boy bands, you know, six months before they came stateside and stuff like that. They were massively pop- popular in Manila before anyone had even heard of them over over here in the States. So uh, let's see, I had a brother who was, you know, also introduced me to some classic rock stuff, you know, Jimi Hendrix. I got through him. And um, let's see, also when I was going through, when I was in school, like, you know, middle school, early high school in Pakistan, you know, there wasn't a lot of, you know, we didn't have the, the internet didn't exist yet. Um, Right. right. And so a lot of the, you know, Western bands that we were listening to, someone would like buy a bunch of CDs on a, you know, trip home to the States and then, you know, share them with their friends. Everyone would record a copy, you know, burn a copy to cassette tape. So like a lot of this nineties, like 90s 4AD records, that was like the hottest, you know, His Name is Alive and, um, you know, The Breeders, obviously Pixies, that stuff we were just like obsessing over. So yeah, there's really a a big of things that I was listening to and being exposed to, you know, both from my overseas background, but also being very hungry for Western culture and kind of devouring it and savoring it, you know, and pouring over magazines and stuff like that. Uh, just to have a connection. I mean, I, I was stationed overseas for a time, but it's so important when you're there as an American to, to have those cords that tie you to your own culture, supposedly. Mm-hmm. And, and um, like you said, you missed it. And yeah, you know, it's, it's really cool to be kind of plucked up and put down into a different culture but you want to maintain that connection to what's familiar to you. And, and I remember when, you know, for instance, the music would come over, it was the same thing on an air force base where, yes, yeah. you know, there were, there were, there were songs that were played on AFRS before they were getting radio airplay in the States. So yeah. um, because they were kind of test driving those, those, um, those songs as far as the amount of listeners they were getting. So 
Um, we're kind of getting close to the end, but I wanted to just sure. ask a few more questions. Sure. Um, the one I have that I think is probably important as we go forward, um, you know, within the music business and industry mm-hmm. is what's going to happen with tours. Um, cause our, because and, and festivals, because um, Charisse, our editor here at Rocket Night, she first saw you at the Vans Warped Tour, I believe, in 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, that's gone away now. Yeah. But yep. there's plenty of other festivals, and it seems like they're scheduling them, and then they're canceling them, and then they're scheduling mm-hmm. them, and they're mm-hmm. canceling them, or they're moving mm-hmm. them out. And yeah. it doesn't look like there's any kind of um, mainstay of festivals happening in the future. And then they're talking about um, vaccine passports, which might Mm -hmm. change everything. Um, So what do you think about all that? Um, Well, I, I'm, I'm in the wait and see mode. I mean, I certainly would love for festivals to resume safely. You know, I, I certainly would love small rock club shows to resume safely. Um, and I think we need to support small independent venues, uh, especially I'm, I'm, I'm waiting patiently (laughs) and, Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't predict the future. I mean, the most important thing is that people are safe at the shows. Um, you know, and, yeah, there, I, I sure hope that there will be a day when I can shower my audience in saliva again <laughs> soon. <laughs> but, you know, it's probably going to be a little while. So how can I how can I make the most of my time um, in the meantime? That's that's how I'm kind of mm-hmm. focusing my energy now, whether than, you know, rather than speculating as to the future. I'm I'm on a. I'm more of like a, let's, let's take it one day at a time, lest I get horribly overwhelmed. Yeah. And um, the, the thing that I think we, I mean, we, we just hope for the best and the live streams are great, but you know, they don't provide that, you know, face-to-face, as we said before, a face-to-face connection between the band and the audience and exchanging that energy back and forth. Um, I love the live streams for different bands to hear their new material. Mm-hmm. And I, th- they're good for that, but they're not good for that connection. So, yeah. Yeah. And so much of what I value about mother feather is that, is that connection. So I want to, right now I'm really focused on that connection through the writing, um, because right. that is how, you know, it's, it's a long process. That's the other thing too, is like from write, writing the songs to then, you know, which I do mostly solo, um, before I, you know, I get the song to, you know, a place where I feel like, okay, I'm ready to share this with the band, but there's like a, re- it comes from a really, really private place. Uh, traditionally mother feather songs have for me. So I'm really just trying to go into that super private place right now and see this as an opportunity to be in that space. But I am also thinking that it will not be very long before the band and I can get together again soon. I'm actually thinking like, you know, within a few 
few weeks even, I think we'll, most of us will be oh, vaccinated. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm yeah, excited. I'm great. excited to like get into the room with the gang and work on some new stuff and see where it, see where it takes us. And, and so, yeah, it's a very, it's kind of a special, it's sort of a special and unique time right now. Tell our listeners where they can find you online and maybe just a little bit about not just getting together, but, you know, future plans for the music and album and EP coming up or mm-hmm. uh, just give us a rundown on that. Well, uh, you can find us at online at motherfeather.com. You can, I mean, send me a message on Instagram. It's me who is, you know, going to reply. And I actually, that's been a, a, you know, social media as sometimes toxic as it's, it can be and has felt for me personally, just in the past year. Um, one thing that I always check for and am available for is conversations with fans, listeners. I, I love it. It's, it's like one of my favorite things and it has been kind of a, a centering and grounding thing to be able to like talk, talk to fans and, and, uh, yeah, just still, still be in some kind of communion with, you know, our mother feathers who have the same, or we call our fans the same thing that we call the band. Although, um, MFers, which is, uh, our idea of a pretty funny joke, but also, (laughs) but also, you know, not a coincidence because the, the fans are a reflection of the band. And so that's that's why, yeah, that's why we have the same name. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to thank you so much, Anne, for joining us. And you you really, um, yeah, I just, I encourage everybody to go out and check out her videos on YouTube, the band's videos. It, it really is rock and it's really along the lines of performance too it's so cool to see their to see them this band perform their songs so thank um, you anita yeah you can find most of our videos are on the metal blade youtube channel metal blade put out our first couple albums so most of our most of our videos are there but we also have our own youtube channel um, and we'd love for you to subscribe. And actually we have a super sick video for our newest track. You're a dead man. Um, that is, <laughs> there's a fully animated video that I'm so excited about. And that, that was one of the you know big projects keeping me busy when I was, you know, laid up on the couch <laughs> last right, September. Right. So an incredible animator named Liz Keen made that video and I would love for y'all to watch it. <laughs> Yeah. And hit the, hit the check mark, you yeah. know, hit, hit that check mark too. All, All right. right. Well, Anne, you have a great day and we will, be, we will be following you along the way to see when the new stuff comes out. Thank you of, for your support. And I'm, I'm really yeah. happy for the opportunity to be able to talk to you at what's like a pretty, a, a, a cool time because, uh, you know, it's, I'm, I'm not in heavy promotion mode. So I think it's, it's special, you know, because you're catching me at like a, a, a an introspective, creative moment. Um, so thank you right. for the opportunity. Okay. You have a good one and we will uh, see you on the airwaves somewhere. All right. Rock and roll. <laughs> rock and roll. Uh, Bye-bye. You're listening to Rock at Night.
the introductory song, Get On Down, is from blues artist Billy, Billy Bass Alford. Look for his music at ReverbNation.com. <laughs> 